0: Chapter 9 Map of sorrow evening sky I wrap my arms around anetta and listen to her scream it pierces right through me and my ears begin to bleed Her screams tell a story, a story impossible to tell with words. Annetta has spent years on ocean. She has been lonely, unbelievably hurt by those who belonged in her life before ocean. For months at a time, her mind has been attacked and left to shreds. Every hurting part of her has been invisible to me before now, but I see her terror in this moment. My life eyes have opened to the parts of life that need healed and helped and held. Annetta, the girl who offers sunflowers and violets, plans soup for sunset, and asks about my grief needs to be seen past the love she holds for others and the hope she shares just by being alive to life. I help Aneta sit down, taking care that no ocean water touches her skin. Her dry tears have made deep pathways down her face. It is the saddest I have ever seen her, the saddest I have ever seen anyone. I pick a handful of new lilies from my dress and use the petals to ease the pain marking her face. And though there is a defined map of sorrow, her eyes are still filled with life. Hope has remained through the worst of her anguish, and I know light will soon break all that's breaking her. But Annetta must grieve. She must make space to be human. Ocean does hold the best of all beautiful things, but it also exposes the heartache that must be felt. I gently nudge Annetta's head to my shoulder. The beginning of sunset fills the sky and I check to make sure Annetta's eyes are open to the glorious, comforting display. Light is her favorite thing, and though she'd rather let her whole body go numb, I hold her securely to face the sunset. Annetta's eyelids are half shut, but I know light is getting in. While Annetta leans against me, I admire the gentle blues and differing hues of yellow and purple. The colors deepen, and I'm made breathless because the colors are just like Aneta's dress. Every shade is a perfect replica, every swirl and wisp a, ref- a reflection of Aneta in motion. I finally exhale and drink in the kindness of the evening sky. I notice Annetta's eyes are wide open now. She sees the gift too. The map of sorrow outlining her face is accompanied by landmarks of healing and joy in otherworldly strength. The sunset lasts half a lifetime, it seems, but I don't mind. Annetta needs to see it. She needs to know she's seen. I help Annetta lie down and cover her with our best seaweed blanket. She is spent, and peaceful sleep washes fast over her. I breathe in slowly and try to process this wildly hard, delicate, and lovely day. Yes, life I see life well, but I didn't know it meant I would see heartbreaking things like this. How can I explain the sadness and the hope combined? How can I put into words the terror and the triumph? I prepare soup for Stella while the events of the day tangle up my thoughts. Even though I'm floating on a cluster of seaweed, my life is so much bigger now than it ever used to be. Could it be possible that uncontrollable ocean is better than a self-made island? And will I ever see my old meadow again? I spent so many years hating it, but I've begun to miss the meadow that was made and meant for me. I used to sing and dance to every meadow sunrise and sunset, and each glorious song of light practically reached from the sky to touch me. I chuckle to myself. Young Marin isn't even here to badger me about this, and yet I'm remembering it of my own accord. It must be all the new space I've been welcoming in. The soup simmers, disrupting my thoughts. The moon is vibrant and the stars poke through the dark as I wake Stella to eat. It isn't sunset like Annette planned, but the air is calm, and tonight's sky will be a gentle thing for Stella to see. Stella opens her eyes slowly, looking more rested and at ease than when she first arrived. Hi, Stella. Are you ready for soup? She nods yes with a smile, then looks up and takes in the soft evening sky. Chapter 10 30 years or so. I open my eyes to sunrise. The colors melt together in an unbelievable display of oranges and pinks, vibrantly soft in every hue. I glance at Annetta, who is already standing toward sunrise, savoring every bit of newness that comes with another day. I see Stella sitting on the edge of peace, transfixed with how the light plays on ocean water. She looks stronger today. I sit beside her, and only then do I notice the tiniest blue blossoms weaving in and out of the greenest leaves I've ever seen. Anetta said there would be beauty for Stella. Anetta was right. "'That is the prettiest shade of green I've ever seen, Stella. I'm so glad it's yours.' "'Stella smiles her thanks, still speechless by whatever journey brought her to this point. "'I'll ask her about it another day. "'Stella needs time to process and heal, to discover this new gratitude welling within her. "'I give Stella a quick hug and remind her to look at the sunrise before it's gone for the day. "'And she looks up immediately, anxious not to miss it. Annette yells across the small width of our floating home. "'Well, it's stunning, isn't it? "'Maybe the best one I've seen these last thirty or so years!' i not in agreement, but Annetta's admission causes my heart to sink all the way to my feet. Thirty years or more? I double over and my pain whispers to me the potential years and years I may spend out here. Ocean is no short season. And yet Annetta's reality has been revealed with her voice overcome by wonder. I look at Annetta framed by the softest morning light and cannot understand how her harsh reality has no power over her. Instead, Annetta radiates life. Even yesterday, when she screamed so loud my ears bled, there was still a presence of hope and light in her eyes, as if she knew help was on the way. I think about last night's sunset being the picture of Anetta herself. I think about the glorious sunrise this morning and Anetta responding with genuine shouts of happiness. I think about Annetta's conversation with the lightmaker the first day I came here. I recall every other time I saw her lips moving while she faced the sky, savoring every minute of a conversation always belonging to them. I exhale sharply, having no clue I had been holding my breath since Annetta's admission of thirty years. The last time I spoke to the lightmaker, I was just a girl in the meadow wearing a dress I loved but didn't create. All the thoughts about my meadow and young Marin come rushing back full force. Suddenly, I understand why young Marin would send out the last living geranium to Ocean. She was the tiny part of me that could remember what real and true life felt like, and she knew Ocean held what my island could never become. If young Marin hadn't pushed the last sign of life out to sea, the gut-wrenching loss of the beautiful island I made with my hands would have driven me to despair. Instead, the deep ocean has exposed the apathy in me and true life has begun to emerge. I smile, relieved. Ocean is better than my island. But relief is swiftly replaced by a shaky, haunted gasp when I recall old Marin. She makes sense now, too. Old Marin was a glimpse of who I'd be if I had stayed. My casket would be made of all my unfulfilled and empty things. The dead geraniums around my body would be all I could see, the sum and demise of my own handcrafted world. Seeing old Marin felt like a nightmare, but... It was actually a moment of grace. Oh, yes, ocean is terrifying and barren, but it is the best place to see the most light. Ocean is unpredictable and unexpected, but peace is always there and flowers are made and given without even a hint of soil to house them. These are miracles, gifts even. I'd rather be in terrifying ocean than than in a casket I made for myself." I miss my days in the meadow before I naively escaped to an island built with my idea of better things. I miss singing and dancing to the light in the sky. I miss the light maker and all the conversations we used to have. But he's filled terrifying ocean with a thousand displays of light and given me a million moments to wake up to life. I hear Anetta and Stella talking over breakfast. Laughter mingles with their conversation and if I wasn't so intent on speaking to the light maker, I would join their banter but a conversation with the one I have ignored for so long is pressing deep into my heart. I don't want to be overcome by ocean, but I do want to be amazed by the life and light that happens here, despite how uncontrollable and scary this ocean is to me. Annetta's happy exclamation this morning is proof to me that conversations with the light maker is the strongest way to talk back to the fear of terror and time. My dress is vibrant this morning, better than it's ever looked before. Every experience of grace, every moment of slow healing, every choice to make space, every small action of loving someone else, and every day I've admired the sunrise and sunset enhances the undeserved beauty present. But I'm still nervous to start a conversation. I'm nervous to speak. I clear my throat. Why am I nervous? I I used to not only talk to the Lightmaker, but sing to him. I can almost hear the old tunes of our sunrises and sunsets. I command my breathing to slow down. He still knows me. Every flower on my dress is proof. I hear Annetta and Stella cleaning up from breakfast. I have no courage, but I offer myself to the Lightmaker anyway. I will no longer build my own casket kind of life. My words are choppy, but they finally break loose. I'm here, and I'm back for good. It's all I'm able to say. Every other word in me has dried up, but I feel no pressure to force anything else out. I feel no anxiety at my simplistic words of reunion. And I remember all over again how the light maker doesn't expect a a flowery expression from me, but he does delight in hearing the voice of the one he gives flowers to.